Welcome to Story Story Night, where you hear true stories on a theme recorded live on stage and without notes. I'm your host, Jody Eichelberger. On this podcast, we are rolling with the times. It's the slam from our 10th anniversary flagship season, The Decades, held on January 28th, 2020 at Jump, our all-ages venue in downtown Boise. During the slam, we randomly drew names, and the selected few relived the bomb times with their stories inspired by the theme, 90s. Let the good times roll. It's story time. Declan! So I live in a memory of the 1990s. I had initiated it in elementary school by looking at photos of my mom while she was in high school in the Navy, aka the 90s. I've always loved looking at photos of my mom, happy and with her friends. It's always given me hope for my future. (laughs) I've also been very fascinated about a time before me, because I was born in 2002. The 90s was a time before my mom had grown out her hair, before she'd gotten braces and lost the iconic Brian family snaggle tooth, and before she'd moved to Idaho. At the time, my mom was living in Albany, Oregon. She went to West Albany High School, class of 1993, go Bulldogs, and she was living next to the Lynn Benton Community College in what is now student housing. So a lot of the furniture and objects in my house are from the 90s. The other night my mom pulled out this Winnie the Pooh Tupperware bowl that she'd bought like halfway through that decade. And not to sound dramatic, but I swear we have not bought a single piece of kitchenware since 1998. (laughs) A lot of the media I was surrounded by as a child was from the 90s and late 80s. I was obsessed with movies like Forrest Gump and Aladdin, and I vividly remember waking up every morning before elementary school and scurrying into the living room to watch Boy Meets World and Sabrina the Teenage Witch with my mom. <laughs> and it might appear that I am another 17-year-old who didn't go through the 90s, that has a peculiar fascination with the 90s, and you're correct, but <laughs> that is not my full story. So my mom and I are two different people. We often argue over whether to eat dinner in downtown Boise or Meridian. But one thing we've always bonded over, oddly enough, is the 90s. It was a happy time for her, and I just love seeing my mom happy. It makes me the happiest. And I love going through all the photos I have in my room and showing them to her and her telling me a descriptive story about each photo. And I also love when we watch movies like Wayne's World or Good Will Hunting, two completely different movies. And she, like, retells stories when she first saw them and reconnects with her old high school friends. I also love when my mom goes through the storage unit and finds her old clothes from high school and gives them to me. One particular garment is her navy boot camp sweatpants. They're my favorite article of clothing. (laughs) Every time I wear them, I feel like I can be as strong as my mom was when she was wearing them. And her Mickey Mouse polo shirt, whenever I wear it, I feel like I can be as brave as she was when she was wearing it. And this electric blue windbreaker brings me back to her vivid memories of being in Virginia Beach. (laughs) These stories about Albany and my mom's life in the 90s feel more like home to me than Boise does at times. It's the stories of my mom spending her summer in Gig Harbor with her aunt. It's my Uncle Brent living in the garage in Albany and pushing his furniture out onto the driveway in the summertime. 
It's my mom's friend, Avelina, who kind of resembles Keanu Reeves. It's my mom and her friend, Sarah, posing with the English teacher that no one liked. I see her stories through these photos, and I live in a memory of the 1990s. That's to say, I do not live solely through these photos. Inspired by them, I make memories of my own, and I take pictures wherever I am all the time, so that one day when I form little offsprings, they'll have these pictures to look at and smile at and show me when they want to make me smile too. Thank you. Noah, you are gonna share your story. Um, so my earliest memories are listening to the Shondells and um, Electric Like Orchestra on uh, eight track in my head. And I, growing up, I, I only believed that the radio played Golden Oldies. My first concert was the Beach Boys. My dad drove us for like six hours to go listen to them. And so I was like a little bit repressed musically growing up and I would sneak out at, you know, after dark and go to my friend's house and listen to MTV and watch MTV and just started to like have my mind opened. And uh, I, I was a swimmer growing up. So I went to swim practice one day and my buddy said to me like, hey, do you know Joe Allen? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, he's dead. And I'm like, oh yeah, you and who's army? And he's like, no, he's dead. And I was like, no way, like I know Joe. And uh, I just fell into this deep depression. And then like two days later, I went to swim practice and he's like, hey, Kurt Cobain is dead. And I was like, oh my God, like Brad, I really hate you. You're like the bringer of all bad news. And I just got sunk in this to depression and my dad saw me depressed and he was like playing his music loud in the house and just not, it wasn't helping me. It's cause I was like, dad, I need more than Buddy Holly to get me through this. And so, it was coming up to like the regional championship and I was a butterfly and he was like, Noah, anything you want. If you just put your maximum effort, if you win, just anything you want. Now, like we were kind of on like state aid at the time. We didn't have cable. We just watched, you know, public television and that was awesome. But I was like, I want my MTV. Like I want cable and MTV. And he's like, all right, we'll do it. And so I practiced and practiced and my shoulders got hurt. I had to go through physical therapy. And then I was like visiting my mom out of state and I had to train with that age group. And then I'm in the pool, I'm on the starting blocks and I jump off and I'm swimming, I'm swimming and I'm swimming and I hit the wall and I turn around and I'm swimming and I'm swimming and it feels just like this piano hits me on the back. I'm like, I gotta do this for MTV. I gotta do this for MTV. And I effing won. <laughs> And I got my MTV. And so then it was Pearl Jam and Candlebox and the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Nirvana just blaring loud in the house. And I got a Sony Discman. And we wired it into our 1980s Chevy Caravan. And as we were doing that, we got it all hooked up and my dad helped me and he's like, so what do we play? And I was like, you don't even have a CD, bro. So. I pulled out Nirvana and I plugged it in and we played all apologies and we both just sat there imagining what it would be like to be high at the time, <laughs> commiserating with each other and that bonded us. And tonight, you know, it's like whatever it is, I graduated high school in 1995 and it seems like whatever it is at the peak, you know, whether, you grew, whether your icon is Marilyn Monroe or, um, Bob Marley, 
or Jim Morrison or Kurt Cobain. Like there are these people in life that leave this indelible mark on us. And I'll tell you guys, my children who are now both in college, first year and third year, we have one vinyl in our house right now and it's Nirvana's unplugged album. And so they probably MF me all the time. All we thought was that it was just grunge, you know, and now they're off to their things. Anyway, thank you, Kurt. I love you. We will never forget you. It's Patty O'Hara. Come on up and share with us your 90s story. Here I am. October 24th, 1991, we got a call, my husband and I, that was one of the most devastating and within moments became one of the best calls we ever would get. Our agent in Santiago, Chile called to say, Patricia, Ricardo, I'm sorry I have some bad news, but the child that we had referred to you is no longer available. I know you named him Patrick Egan O'Hara, but he is not yours. Unless you're willing to wait another five months, maybe six, but because of some court snafus, he is not available. Do you want to wait? Well, <laughs> we had been in this position before, not about waiting, but that letdown, that crushing letdown for years, few years before that. Congratulations, you're pregnant. Oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Hey, your due date is July 13th. I don't hear a heartbeat, I'm sorry. So we had been through this before in a different way. So we were kind of ready, but you don't get ready. Do you want to follow through on this? We said, no, we can't do this. We can't take that chance, we can't wait. He said, all right, and we hadn't seen pictures of this Patrick. They had just gone ahead and named him for us. We didn't, we didn't know this child yet. We just had visions, we had dreams like you do for any child that you're expecting. He said, all right, three days ago, another boy was born. Would you like to, us to refer you to him? Yes, we didn't even think, yes, of course. Let the process begin. They had our dossier. We had already switched from Peru to Chile. We're all set now, just continue. Let us pursue Chile and this other child. We waited and waited. 15 days, you gotta wait, put, put that in the paper, make sure there's no one there to claim that child. Get your plane tickets. Oh, sorry, the judge hasn't signed off in the letter. Cancel that flight. You make another flight arrangement. Ah, sorry, we've got to put it in 15 more days. We're not quite sure yet. Ah, cancel that flight. Finally, ah, Christmas, it's not going to make it for Christmas. February 3rd rolls around. Make your reservation and fly out today. We did. We call that uh, custody day. <laughs> we arrived in Chile, and two hours later, we're in our little apartment. And there's a knock on the door, and it's our son. He's there. He's this little girl, little gypsy girl, the daughter of the gypsy woman Patrick had been with for three and a half months. And his name at the time was Ricardo Patricio Rodriguez Rodriguez. 
<laughs> yeah, we didn't name him. They named him after us and his mother. We were, we were going to change that, but okay. But there he was in the arms of this little girl with everything he possessed. He had a binky in his mouth, a little bear chupa, they called it, little shorts. It was summer in Chile. We left in winter in Chicago and arrived at summer in Chile. And there he is in his little shorts and his little shirt and his single bottle. I had a suitcase full of assorted sizes of bottles, but this is the bottle he wanted, I found out later. And she hands him over to us. My husband and I both went through postpartum depression. We're weeping with joy. The poor little girl thought we were rejected. Oh, you changed your mind? You know, no, no, this is, this is happy tears. And we accepted him, of course, and we're just delighted. He had little cheeks like potatoes. In fact, people would come up and go, oh, papitas, little potatoes, and they'd squeeze them. I think that's why they're shaped like they are today. With You can see finger marks in his cheeks. He's, you know, 28 and their finger marks are still, but oh, the little pepitas, he was just beautiful, still is beautiful. So we had our custody day, February 3rd. We celebrated court day. That's the day that we hope the judge is going to sign off in the letter and let us proceed. We took him to the Chilean doctor who gave him all these little bottles of drops, took him to the American embassy where that doctor threw the bottles away, said he doesn't need these, took him off to get his ID card, his little Chilean passport, still Ricardo Patricio Rodriguez Rodriguez. We were practicing, how are we going to get him to spell that? What I discovered, by the way, on that trip, I had packed a suitcase, just loaded it with disposable diapers and bottles and toys, all kinds of things, clothes, of course. And my husband unpacks his suitcase when we arrived. I'm backtracking a bit. And he opens his up. He, his suitcase was filled with hardcover books. I mean, is this so typical male or what? I'm so prepared. What's that about? Well, you don't know how long you're going to be there. You can't wash your books. You know, you can wash laundry, but you can't. He was scared to death that we'd be there for a couple months and he'd run out of reading material. <laughs> so we celebrated custody day. We celebrated gone to the judge day and he signed off on the letter day. He had a birthday. Later, when we brought him home, we have coming home day, February 13th. This is the beauty of being adopted, by the way. In International, you have Citizenship Day, August 13th. You have Adoption Day, that trip on the train to downtown Chicago when he's one year old and he's yours. Finally, we can call him Patrick Egan O'Hara, right? So you've got all these special days when you're adopted. It was wonderful. We're just, anyway. October 24th, 1991, it all began, but the day that we remember every year, that we celebrate, and that we're going to celebrate on February 13th, is Patrick Egan Rodriguez O'Hara's 28th Coming Home Day. Happy Coming Home Day, Poe! <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi, I'm kind of nervous. I didn't expect this to happen, so uh, bear with me, okay? Uh, so 90s. Um, 90s was a great decade for me personally. Um, I got married to my first husband and um, had my son. But I wanted to tell a story about the 90s that um, 
going into the 90s in the very beginning uh, was a really transitional time for me. And um, it was kind of a scary time. And I was ending a relationship that was not great. We've all done that, right? And uh, so I'm going to take you back to that time period. So I'll say it's about 1990, the very beginning of the decade. And I was dating a German gentleman named Thomas. And Thomas and I, we traveled together. We met traveling across the country. Um, and we uh, lived in, we traveled through Mexico, and then he had this wonderful idea to move to Germany, and we did that together as well. So we were together maybe about four years. Well, bless his heart, he's a great guy, okay? Very controlling, very Germanic, and um, so that was kind of hard for me because I've always been very free-spirited, and, um, but we, we got along okay. But he always had a plan. We were always going to do this, and then we were going to do that. And uh, so I kind of went along with that for a while, right? And um, after, you know, about the fourth year, this is the beginning of the 90s, it wasn't sitting right with me anymore. And so I thought, how am I going to break up with this guy? He's always got the answers, everything, he's always right, you know? And so, for example, um, we saw an article in a newspaper about Sesame Street, something wonderful about Sesame Street. And he said, Sesame Straße, good German company, good German children's show. I said, uh, that's Sesame Street? That's an American company? No, Sesame Straße is German. <laughs> like, okay. So that's an example, okay? So this is what I kind of had to just go with after a while. Nice guy, like not abusive or anything, but just what a drag, right? <laughs> so, um, and, and by the way, Scandinavian, tall, gorgeous, cheekbones galore. I mean, just, you know, so there was that. But, um, and <laughs> so finally, um, we're in Germany. We're living in Germany together in a group home um, supervising juvenile delinquent boys. That was interesting. And um, he was the authoritarian person. I was the counselor type person. So um, my best friend from childhood in Baltimore, Maryland, where I grew up, was getting married. And she was getting married in Baltimore. And she wanted me to be part of the wedding. So she said, Joe, my nickname, you got to come to Baltimore and be in my wedding. You got to leave Germany and come home. And I was like, yes, this is it. <laughs> This is my way out of the relationship. I mean, I love Germany, but I got to get out of this relationship. I don't know how to do it. That's hard, isn't it? So um, I said, Thomas, you know, I'm going to go in August. I'm going to go to Fiona's wedding. I'm, I'm, I'm in the wedding. It's a really big deal. You understand. Of course, I go with you. I'm going with you. I am going to start my photography business and we will be successful together and we will live in America and I'm going to America. And I'm like, what? No, 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 so, no, no. So I'm gonna go and you're gonna say, anyway, long story short, and tell me if my five minutes is coming up. So somehow, because he was Tomas and he had this way about him, he, he, he worked it. He ended up coming to Baltimore with me. Um, so I went to the wedding, and he was with me, and 
long story short, again, there we are in Baltimore, and it's July 4th, and we're sitting on the front stoop of this place we're renting, and I'm really pissed at myself that I've allowed this to happen. How could I not have just told him, I just don't want you to come to America. I want to restart my life in the 90s. I want to go back to college. I want to, like, get my degree. I, I, I started college, and I gave it up, and I decided to travel and, you know, be this amazing actress or whatever. And now I want to get serious and go back to college, and it doesn't include you. So um, I never had that. I just couldn't do it. And so here we are in Baltimore, Maryland, sitting on the front stoop, July 4th, and he says, so this is what we're going to do now. Now that I am a photographer and I've taught myself how to be a professional photographer with my Hasselblad camera, with a 5x5 and my Nikon camera, um, you, we are going to move to Kauai, Hawaii, and we are going to live in the backyard shed of our friends that we met in Mexico who are going to let us live in their little shed and we're gonna sleep on the floor and you are going to be my photographer's assistant. I don't do a very good job with a German accent, but I thought, I'm sitting on the front stoop and it's July 4th and I'm thinking, I wanna be, I wanna go back to college, I wanna be me, I wanna live my dreams, so. Um, I told him, Tomas, that's a great idea. You go to Kauai and further your photography career. I'm going to stay here. I'm, I'm going to stay in Baltimore. I'm going to, I'm going to go to college and, and yeah, so that's what I did. And we said goodbye. We're still friends, by the way. And Peach. Yes. Oh my goodness. Hello everyone. We're going to go back to 1991. I might as well take these off because I can't see you. And February. I was getting out of the shower, butt naked, looking in the mirror, and all of a sudden I kind of go, oh my goodness, I'm fat. I was about to be 31 years old. I had three kids. And I didn't like the way I looked. How many of you have looked into the mirror and kind of go, oh my goodness, you've got to change the way you eat. You've got to do some exercises. And so the 90s, you put on those little funny things on your legs and the little things around your head, and you go whoop, 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 whoop. And you try to work out and get into shape. Well, I had three kids, and so I did it at home. And you watch Richard Somebody on Channel 4. Simmons, okay, you've watched him too. And he's there with his little like, okay, let's get up and let's exercise. Well, there is a lot of things I've learned since 1991. It is about eating, it's about moving. In fact, I walked here tonight. And it's about what goes on in your mind. And so it's a journey. 
Each one of us is on a journey. And when I can look out there and say, I celebrate your journey because I celebrate my journey, how many of us, whether it's the 90s or later or earlier, we have come to a turning point in our life when we say things have to change. And so on that day in 1999 in February, 1991 in February, my life changed. And it has been a journey to health. And so tonight, I'm healthier than I was when I was 31. And I can keep up with my grandkids. So let's all be healthier to the 2000s and 20s. Thank you for listening. Story Story Night receives support from the Boise Arts and History Department and is funded in part by the Idaho Commission on the Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Thank you to our media sponsors, Boise State Public Radio and Radio Boise, our season sponsor, Pettit Realty Group, and our show sponsor, The James Castle House. Podcast production is by Stephen Baldessari. Our theme song was composed by Dan Costello, and our musical guest was DJ Jason Prettyboy. Support this storied program, get tickets to our live show, and stay tuned at www.storystorynight.org or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Story Story Night. Also, check out our YouTube channel at Story Story Boise. I'm Jody Eichelberger. Thanks for being a part of our story. Thank you.